0: Okay, Super Bowl Sunday, Uh, just want to start off by saying we have an opening in our junior high ministry uh, for Lee, he was doing so well, Uh, and then, now we all know that, we all know who's going to win this afternoon because a panther is a cat, we know how God feels about cats, so, uh, (laughs) ow, okay. Anyway, good to see everybody. Hope everybody's doing all right. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is James. I'm the pastor here at NLC Cabot. We are celebrating 15 years as a church statewide. Uh, we've been a campus for about a little over five years, but uh, man, God's done so much. We're going to celebrate a little bit more later on in the service. Got a video that kind of uh, tells a story, uh, which is cool. Right now, we're going to get into the Word. How many of you guys appreciate the Word of God right now? Come on, <laughs> woo! Year the Bible's been going good. Uh, I've been I've been hearing from a lot of you guys uh, getting into the reading plans. Uh, some of you you're doing chronological Bible and want to read it in a timeline, which is fine. We've got the one year Bible plan though, U version or through the app. A lot of people are getting on that. Or man, there's actually like a book that's like like got pages and like a cover and stuff. Cody, will you hand me mine, please? It, I forgot to bring it up on stage with me when I came up. Uh, the NIV version, please. I carry multiple versions, as every good pastor would in his backpack. Do you see it? It's there in the bottom. It's right there. There you. Nope, wrong one. My wife's looking especially hot today because she's wearing this anointed orange and blue shirt. Uh, it's just so powerful. So, uh, but I've uh, been enjoying the, in the Bible. Look, we've been reading along. We've been in Exodus. And Genesis Exodus Genesis was cool, right? It's got some weird stuff in there that you kinda have to get around. Probably not something you want to read out loud with your kids. We learned that. Uh, But some cool stuff there. And then and then halfway through Exodus, that was pretty fun too. Now we're getting in the later half of Exodus. And it's not as fun anymore, because now we're starting to get into all the laws, right? And, uh, and, and we're going to be in that. We're going to be in Leviticus. And there's going to be a lot of others' laws. And it's going to be like, my goodness, what does this have to do with anything? Look, if you've ever tried to read, start to finish through the Bible. A lot of people, this is where they give up right here. They get to this point and they're like, I'm done. I don't even understand what's going on right now. But I want to encourage you with something. You know, Jesus said that he would sum up the whole law in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all that you have. Your, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything that you have. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he, he encapsulates the law. But here's the thing. I would encourage you, as you're reading through these laws, look at it through the filter of what can these teach me about the heart of God? What can these teach me about what it means for me to love God with everything I have? And, and then what, what do they teach me about how I can love the people around me? Because there's going to be portions in there where it's like, man, I don't know how this necessarily relates. But I believe if you will ask God to give you his heart on it, you're going to see, first of all, if anything else, it's going to remind you how thankful you can be that Jesus completed the law. He fulfilled the law. And, and, but but even in, in these details, and a lot of them remember, these Israelites, they're coming out of 430 years of captivity in a pagan culture, so God is trying to re-steer the ship on this deal, trying to get them back in alignment of what it means to be his people. A lot of it has to do with the environment that they're going to be living in, the fact that there's 4 million of them, and God's trying to set up some health things that'll help them be successful. But I'd encourage you to look at it through the filter. What God has to say. There is some weird stuff in there. If you guys remember, we started reading through the Ten Commandments this last week. Actually, we read them on our anniversary on Thursday, uh, Exodus 20. But at the end of Exodus 20, I don't know if you guys caught this verse, but it, it's just one of those verses like, well, I don't, okay, this is, it's kind of funny to me. This is what it says in verse 26 and do not approach my altar by going up steps. If you do, someone might look under your clothing and see your nakedness. Okay, that's just weird stuff. But I, I want to let you know we're a Bible-believing church. It's one of the reasons why we don't have step in our, steps in our whole church. We don't have steps anywhere. Well, except with our junior high ministry, which in hindsight was probably the last place we should have steps if we're considering this. Okay, we'll just move on then. i Sorry, bad point. But I, I thought we'd start off, everybody knows our lead pastor Rick. He's a Cajun. Uh, and so he, he showed us the Cajun Ten Commandments this last week. So let's read through these real quick. They're pretty hilarious. First of all, God is number one. That's all. That's all, y'all. That's all. Okay? Number two, don't pray to nothing or nobody, just God. Okay? No idols. Number three, don't cuss nobody, especially that good Lord. Okay? Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Okay? Four. When it be Sunday? Patch yourself by God's house. Come on now, uh, number five. Your mama and your daddy—they don't need it at all. Listen to them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, Lord, help them. Number five or number six? Killing ducks and fish—that's okay, people. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's an Arkansas commandment too. So, number seven. God don't give you a wife, see with just her. <laughs> when, he was, when he showed us this, he told us this, uh, another Cajun joke, Boudreaux joke. You guys up for a Boudreaux joke real quick? Okay, so this, this sweet girl, Marie, she, she goes to the pharmacist one day, and the pharmacist happens to be Boudreaux. Don't know how he got that job, but he happens to be the pharmacist. And she says, uh, Boudreaux, I need you to give me some cyanide. Boudreaux says, well, cyanide? What do you need cyanide for? Because I go, I've got to kill my husband. Oh, no, no, no. I can't be giving you a sign. You can't be killing people. You go to jail. I'll go to jail. I'll lose my job. It'll be nothing but trouble for us. So she reaches in her pocket, pulls out a picture. And it's Tipito, her husband, kissing on the pharmacist's wife. Boudreaux says, Oh, I didn't know you had a prescription. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, you do something smart. Loving the year of the Bible, I, you know, we were actually weren't completely co- confident that people were going to get into it. We're like, man, I don't know, but man, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's strong of people that are doing these readings together. Um, I'd encourage you, if you haven't gotten on board with it, it's not too late. Don't try to catch up. That'll be way too discouraging, but, but just jump in now. Get into a plan. Um, you know, I, I think at least one thing we know is at least we got our pastors reading the Word of God finally. You know, that's encouraging. So I'm joking. I'm joking. They were reading before then, but... uh but it's been really good. Uh, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments, looked at five last week, and we'll look at another five this week. But we read this verse last week in 1 John uh, chapter 5. And, um, and so we're going to read that again to kind of set up what our approach, what our heart should be when it comes to the Ten Commandments. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his, what? His commands. This is love for God. To obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Okay, so this is the way you know that you have love. It's just you understand the importance of the commands, but the commands are not like this. Oh, man, this is just a buzzkill. It's just, it's just a killjoy always thinking about these. No, they're because you understand that the intimacy and the relationship that God wanted to have established through his command, that through that they're not burdensome, that there's something that you take with joy, that you consider them as something that you're excited and willing to do because you know that it's for our best that God has given to us. So let's review real quick. Last week we talked through the, the first five. Uh, first of all, no other gods, Deuteronomy 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 14. Do not follow other gods. The gods are the people that are around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous god. One of the most powerful phrases in that verse, I think, God is a jealous god, that the creator of the universe is jealous for my time, jealous for your time, your attention. That he he has everything that speaks of his glory, but in spite of all those things, he still wants you. He still wants your focus, your time. Uh, and then we said, uh, also no idols. And when those could kind of be grouped together, but one is more of this position of the heart, the other one may manifest itself in a lot of different physical ways. An idol could be something parked in your garage or could be a child you gave birth to in a hospital room. It's any time you take something and put more emphasis and more focus and more attention and hold them in higher regard and spend more time with than you spend with your creator, with God. And then we also talked about respecting his name. You know, the scribes, the ancient scribes, as they would transcribe the Word of God in um, the detail uh, that would go into that. Sometimes it would take an entire lifetime to, to, to copy, to transcribe one book in the Bible. But as they would do that, and they get to a portion in the Scripture where they were going to write the name of God, they would stop, they would put aside that pen or that quill, they would go and get a brand new pen or quill that's never been used. They would bring that over, they would write the name of God, and then never use that quill again. That's how much honor they had for the name of God. When we talked about in our lives and understanding that honoring God's name and understanding who he is is one of the reasons why we have the authority through his name that we have. And it's important that we honor his name so we have that authority. And a lot of times we don't protect the name of God all that well. We just talked about, hey, how, how do we do that in our homes with the things we allow, the media we may watch, and just making sure that our kids know, look, we're going to honor the name of God in this place. Amen? And we talked about the Sabbath. God created life, but created the rhythm of life. The rhythm of life is work six days, rest one. We talked about how, look, if you're working over 100 hours of work, seven, uh, hours of work a week and and not taking a day off, working seven days a week, that's, that's not a badge of honor that in a lot of ways, that winds up producing sin in your life, and it's really a lack of, of showing trust in God. We talked about the fact that, that in Bible times, people got paid at the end of every day. So they, they, had, they made their living at the end of every day. We talked about the fact that the reason why the Sabbath was so important is because it was one day where they had to completely and totally trust God. But because they trust God with the one day, God would bless the other six. And then we also talked about how some people got this backwards, and their rhythm of life is six days of rest and one day of work, and we told them, get a job. And and then we talked about honoring your father and mother uh, and just how important that is. The fact that you didn't pick them, they didn't pick you, but God picked you together. And that being the case, whether they're good parents or bad parents, no matter what, we can honor them. We can honor them. We don't always have to trust them. We don't always have to like them. And it gets to a point where we don't have to obey them, but God has called us to honor them. To check in on them. They shouldn't have to call us to tell us what they need. We should be asking them what they need. And that's a way of honoring. That In doing that, it comes with a promise. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise that things would go well with us wherever God has positioned us in life. And then also, oh, and that was what we covered last week. So today we're going to pick up in the sixth commandment. So let's talk about this. The first four commandments, those kind of your vertical relationship with God. Talking about how you perceive how you view God how you interact with him and the last six have to do with your horizontal relationships I think this is key because if you can make your focus the first four and your relationship with God and who you are in him and your identity in Christ and I believe that the overflow of that will facilitate your vertical your horizontal relationships in life in other words it's almost like look if you can get the God thing right and putting him first making sure nothing else has priority on him, that you're honoring him. You hold him in high regard in your life. The byproduct will be that your relationships with the people around you, they're gonna be strong. They're gonna be solid. But I think it's important to understand what the 10 commandments mean for us. In our day-to-day lives, how do they work out practically? Because the wording in and of themselves and how they were originally written, it, it may not feel like they completely apply, but but if you couple those with what Jesus said about them, it makes a lot of sense. So that's what we're going to look at today. First, uh, the, the sixth commandment is this. Exodus twenty thirteen, You shall not murder. Okay, now here's the deal. I don't know of anybody that has murdered somebody in our church. Um, and, and if you have, I hope that you got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you are here, please join the security team because we want you on our side. Uh, but but that, that, that in and of itself may not relate to us. So I'm gonna take each one of these and I'm gonna kind of put them in a new phrase and then I wanna talk about what Jesus said about these things. So this commandment, I'd say, don't explode on others. That's how I would phrase this. Don't explode on others. Matthew 5, I love what Jesus does with the commandments because Jesus always kind of bumps it up. Like, man, this is an even higher standard. And some people would criticize when you start talking about Jesus and, and it's just all about his grace. It's just all about his love. But I wanna let you know that Jesus bumped it up. He actually held he said look if you really understand who I am and w- who you are in me then it's going to bring an even higher level of standard when it comes to the commandments because this is what he said about this commandment in Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 You're familiar with the command to the ancients do not murder but I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as is as angry at a brother or sister is guilty of murder hello So if you look at it like that how many of us are guilty. I mean, every single person in this room at one point or another, we have let our anger get the best of us. We have gotten angry at a brother or sister. We've gotten angry at somebody around us. I love how Jesus bumps that up and says, look, you need to understand the heart of this. All of us have fallen short on this. It's why we need Jesus. It's why we need his grace. It's also why we need to understand the root cause of some of the things that happen in our lives. Especially anger, because anger is an emotion, like love or sorrow. But when anger gets pinned up for a long amount of time, it festers, and eventually you become reactive. And when you react, you're going to hurt somebody with your anger. You're going to hurt somebody. And this is God's heart behind this. It's you understanding what's happening inside of you, but also how what's happening inside of you could dramatically affect someone else. We've been talking a lot about Moses in the Bible one of the things it's written is that Moses is the most humble person on the planet. The funny thing about that, he wrote it himself. But it couldn't be in the Bible if it wasn't true. And he may have been the most humble person on the planet, but I also believe he was probably the most angry person on the planet. And there's some proof there. Now, before he met God, he murdered somebody. It must have been a little awkward carrying down that commandment from the mountain, like, don't murder, <laughs> hope no one knows, <laughs> But he was angry. At one point, when he's up on the mountain, he's getting the law and the commandments from God, God lets him know, hey, by the way, while you're up here doing all this, my people are down there worshiping an idol, having a party, doing really ungodly things. And then God starts talking about just destroying them. So Moses pleads with God and basically saves mankind by talking God out of destroying the Israelites. The funny thing was, as soon as Moses got close enough to see what was going on, he snapped. He got angry. He threw the Ten Commandments down, broke them. That should have been one of the commandments. Don't break, literally, the Ten Commandments. Don't break them. He gets mad. He goes down there. He is. He just flips his lid. He's so Somebody's like, okay, you, you like that idol? Okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to melt that idol down. We're going to turn it into dust. Then we're going to mix it in with the water. And you're going to drink it. I'm pretty sure that's not organic. Uh, and, and, and then it says that on that day 3,000 people were killed with the sword this dude had an anger issue big time and it, and it certainly hurt some people at one point he got angry and it, and it seems like a small thing but God told him to do something in a very specific way he decided to do it the way that he wanted to do it And he struck a rock with his staff and wasn't supposed to do it that way. And that, that one moment of anger meant that Moses and all the work that he had done to get God's people into the promised land and he would never see the promised land. And your anger will affect you. Most of the time, the only time my anger really displays itself is when I'm driving. Come on, Jesus, help us. I mean... Uh, I, I usually don't act out. I have a lot of thoughts that I want to do. I don't do them, but I would have a lot of thoughts telling people they're number one, a lot of things like that. But I don't do them, but but I get frustrated. But every once in a while, I, my anger does get the best of me. It's something that is running my family, honestly. You should be aware of that. Be aware of the patterns that are in your family and that you don't contribute to those patterns. One time this last week, though, I was hanging out with my, my youngest son, Reeves. He's just the coolest kid ever. He's got his own fashion sense, and these flowing locks of hair and everything. I went to have lunch with him this last week. And uh, as we were, we were sitting down, there were first graders are getting up in line to go outside. He was in kindergarten, so the first graders are getting ready to head out. And I swear, like 10 to 15 girls were like, hi, Reeves. And he's just like, what up? You know, just like so totally cool. Just like, I'm like, he's a man. I love him. But this last week, at one point, he we had asked him to do something. And it's something that you just, you know. You'd ask, we've asked them to do hundreds of times. There's just those things just like, how, how can I make this any more clear, how to do this? And yet they still don't do it. And I walked in and one morning I and was, I was mad. And I got angry and I raised my voice. And I remember I went to, to, to get the attention, you know, the whole face grab, I've got your attention thing. And I remember when I first grabbed, I grabbed, I grabbed a little too too tight. And I saw this look come into his eyes. And I realized when I did that, I realized, you know what? He's probably going to remember this moment for the rest of his life. And that's not the moments that I want him to remember. And I realized, man, my anger. (sighs) I have to be so careful. I will say, too, that if, if you've ever been in that spot, especially with your kids, the strongest place you'll ever be with your kids is in a place of repentance. When you mess up with your kids like that, and I did this, I'd encourage you, get, get on a level where you can look them eye to eye. If that means you need to get on your knees, you, you do that. You look them in the eye and you ask for forgiveness. You, and you just tell them you're sorry that you didn't need to do it that way. You didn't need to yell, but you, you better back it up, though. Because at that point, really, the, the best thing you can do is just make sure the next time it comes around that you have a different response. But anger, it does hurt people. And you may say, well, my anger helps me get stuff done. People respond to my anger. Okay. You may be able to move some stuff around with your anger, but you're also kicking God out. And that's not where you want to be. You've got to keep the fruit of the Spirit going. Amen? Next commandment is this. You shall not commit adultery. Okay? Well, I'm gonna bring this to the root. And I'm gonna say, Don't give lust a home in your heart. Don't give lust a home in your heart. Back to Matthew chapter five, verse twenty seven. You've heard it command the commandment that says, You must not commit adultery, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Wow. So here's the deal. I'm not gonna do a show of hands on this, but I can pretty much guarantee you that. Every person in this room at one point or another has looked lustfully at another person. So all of us. It's like Jesus bumps us up to where, great, now we're all losers. But the point is this. It's like, yeah, without him, without a savior, you are an adulterer. But identify the root that gets you to that place because it doesn't just show up one day and, and just all out adultery. It, it starts with root causes. It starts with with those glances that become gazes, that become a conversation, that create an emotional bond that lead to sin. And ultimately, it it, it can lead to the death of your relationship with that person for sure, but other relationships and and most importantly, it'll destroy how you can connect with Jesus. How much he loves you. The plan that he has for you. I remember a pastor was talking to his, a group of, of young men in his youth. And he was actually quoting Dr. Billy Graham. Billy Graham said one time, it's not the first glance that'll get you. It's the second glance that gets you. So this pastor is trying to convey this point to these young men. He said, look, you may, you may not be able to avoid seeing something that could cause you to stumble. And look away, but, but be, be careful because it's the second look that's going to get you. So the smart Alec punk raises his hand and says, well, pastor, what if I just look and then don't ever look away? And I just keep on looking. He's like, you don't get the point. Get out of here. I can guarantee you that every man and woman in this place will fall into one of these categories when it comes to the struggle and the sin in their life. It'll either be guys, girls, glory, gold, or getting high. Every single person in here will fall into one of those categories. You need to know your tendencies. You need to be honest with yourself. The way my granddad used to say, to stay out of them places, but identify the root. That's God's heart behind this commandment. As he knows the destruction that will come if you don't guard your heart and keep lust out of your heart. The next commandment is this, you shall not steal. The way I would say this is prosper with integrity. Prosper with integrity. God doesn't have any issues with us being prosperous, but he wants us to do it with integrity. So, I want to talk about some of the ways that you can steal. In the Bible, there's 138 ways that you can steal. 138 ways. But I'm just going to talk about some ways that I see it kind of playing out in our culture today. One of the ways that we can steal is by deceiving customers. So, business owners, pay attention. Because this is something that's been going on for over 3,000 years. The fact is that a lot of wealth has been predicated upon someone being smart enough to take advantage of someone else. And that is not God's heart. The truth is there's a lot of feeble-minded people around us who so would be really easy to take advantage of. But as Christians, God's called us to guard and protect those people, not take advantage of them for a profit. This is one of the ways that we can potentially steal from people. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Another way to be dishonest? By wasting time on your job. Wasting time on your job, not doing what you've been paid to do. And probably all of us have been guilty of this on one level or another. Is this anything from showing up late to taking more breaks than you're supposed to and then leaving early? Some of us have a bad habit of camping out, watching YouTube videos, playing Candy Crush and Netflixing at our job. Technology has made this temptation and this particular form of stealing a lot more Prevalent in our day and age. But if you have signed up to do something, to do a job, then you need to do it completely with everything that you have. While I was working one summer in high school, I worked for a, a glass company we were installing windows. This is down in San Antonio, middle of summer. So it's super hot down there. It's miserable, really humid, working outside. And the job form, and I remember... Like every, almost every hour, it seemed like, he said, hey, guys, we forgot a couple supplies back at the warehouse. I got to go back to the warehouse, pick them up. I'll be back in about an hour. Eventually, I started thinking, why didn't he just get the supplies? Like, we've been doing this over and over and over again. Like, he knows what supplies we're supposed to have. Why aren't we getting the supplies and bringing with us in the morning? So I I just kind of, mind my own business, did my job, that type of thing. But I started gaining some favor with this guy. So one day, he said, hey, Benny, you want to come with me? We're going to go back and pick up these supplies. And I was like, oh, man. So then I had this like, moral dilemma because I'm like, I know, he doesn't, I know he shouldn't be doing this, but I also know his truck has A.C. <laughs> and his is the only truck that has A.C. out of all the work trucks. So I could get some nice air conditioning for you know, 45 minutes an hour. So I gave in. I said, sure, I'll go with you. But then I found out the real reason why he was going to get supplies. We dropped in his truck. He started up. We started driving on the road. He lights up a joint. And he is smoking a joint while we're driving down the road. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do right now. It was, I, I, was, I was just a kid in high school, you know. And so I started like cracking the window, like trying to get fresh air. You know, I needed like a snorkel or something so I could breathe. And and, uh, and then he's like, roll up the window, letting all the cool air out. I'm like, brother, I don't want to get high. Uh, you're driving. We could die. But I, I don't, I don't want to get high. So this is me as your pastor admitting to you there was... There was some pot in my past, but I did not inhale. I didn't inhale. I didn't inhale. I felt a little weird, but... So there you go. You can forgive me later. This is what it says in Colossians. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Another way that we can be dishonest, by stealing from God. Okay, now this is not church verbiage. This is not what a lot of you have been burned by in other churches. As a church, we've never pressured people financially. We just communicate the word of God, let you get with God, and you respond based on your conviction, what the spirit of God tells you to do. But this is straight out of the words. So, so we've got to read it, Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Okay, now you may have heard that verse before, but the way you heard it probably is somebody screaming at you, pointing at you and saying, you better give better giving money. One of the reasons why people don't come to church is because they feel like church just wants their money. Okay, we, we, don't, we don't operate that way. What we do believe is that God wants your heart. And your finances are a representation of your heart. So this, this pastor was having a dream one night and he had a dream of these two women that were, appeared to be homeless and they were hungry. So they're both praying and asking God, God, please provide some food. We need food. God, please give us food. And eventually this loaf of bread falls into one of the girl's hands, one of the women's hands. And, and she eats this loaf of bread and while the other woman watches. And, and the pastor having the dream remembers just kind of questioning, like, God, they were both praying They're both praying and asking you for this. Why didn't you give bread to both of them? God said, I did supply their needs. My intention was for that woman to share with the other, and she decided not to. I think that that can be a picture of our lives sometimes. One of God's reasons behind the command to tithe, it's not just... For our own personal lives and not it does have to do with blessing it does have to do with his protection it does have to do with all this it does have to do with us trusting him it does have to do with those things but it also has to do with the purpose and the job that he's given us and that's to take care of people as a church we take care of practical needs like this all the time whether it's feeding somebody helping somebody cover a bill whatever it is but, but we also want to make sure that we're in a place where we can continue to reach the people God's called us to reach to help them on the most important level and that's their spiritual health so it's by us being honest. Look, I want to thank every person that, that gives, that serves, that, that, that whether you tie with your time or tie with your, your gifts or tie with your resources, however you give, thank you for being obedient. And anybody that hasn't, just just get on board. You will never regret it. But God's heart is, look, I want to continue to be able to use you to help people. Let's be obedient to that. Amen. The Lord's prayer says, our father in heaven, our father, we're a family. It's not my father, it's our father. We want to make sure that we can continue to be a family for other people. Ephesians 4.28 says this, anyone has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Another commandment, Exodus 20.16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The way I'd say this is be truthful in all relationships with others. Okay? What are some ways that you can lie? Some of the ways that I see people lie now is one way was with half-truths, half-truths. The definition of this is intentionally omitting key information that leads a person to the wrong conclusion. I hear people say all the time, well, I didn't lie, I just didn't say everything. Okay, that's the reason why in court they say, do you promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Because they know this is a loophole for people. And then maybe, I know I've been guilty of this before. It's like, I just I wanted to, there's just a couple details that were going to make me look really bad. So, and it didn't seem to really matter. So it's easier to leave that detail out than to include it. But that's not the truth. This is something that can happen. There's some examples of this in the word. Ananias and his wife. Sapphire, they they made the early church believe that they had sold this piece of property and then brought all the money from this property to give to the church when really they kept some of the money for themselves, but they were trying their intent, their intent was to deceive people into believing that they were super generous so that people would like them and accept them and have favor on them. But the Holy Spirit exposed them. And Peter calls them out and says, Look, why is. Why has the enemy put this this lying deceit in your heart? It's a pretty strong story. God strikes those two people dead on the spot. Pretty strong stuff. Lying means the intent to deceive or create a false impression, not just saying a lie. And omitting information. That's part of it. Another way that we can lie, exaggeration. Shading the truth in such a way that it brings acceptance. Our lying is really just rooted in, in insecurity. That's what lying really is rooted in. We, we want to be accepted. We want to look good to people. So, so we lie to help us look that way. A traveling minister came to a church and he was telling about his ministry as the pastor of that church was listening. and was talking about this ministry how where they would pick people up in buses that need to go to hospital so they could get treatment. And he said, God gave us this 150-foot bus so we could go and pick up people with cancer and all kinds of diseases so we could get them the treatment they needed. And the pastor's sitting there's like, a 150-foot bus? He didn't say it out loud, but after the guy was done speaking, he went up He's like, hey, do you really have a 150-foot bus? This minister said, oh, you can never tell anything too big for God. How many of y'all know the kingdom of God is big enough on its own? It doesn't need your lion's spin to try to add to it. <laughs> Let what God does stand for itself. It's plenty, trust me. There's exaggeration all throughout the word. Actually, right in our reading, and we're coming up this week in Exodus 32, Moses comes off the mountain and he confronts Aaron about this golden calf. Because he's pretty sure he knows what happened and how it got there. <laughs> and Aaron basically says, well, I told him, like, what, what, happened, what happened was, Moses, is they were real upset. And so I was just like, bring some gold and jewelry and stuff. And they threw it in the fire and a calf popped out. That's what happened. Okay, well, no, that's not what happened. You made an idol. Exaggeration can be a problem. Then there's denial, just a bold-faced lie that just refuses to accept blame. That's what happened when Peter denied Jesus. He just said, I don't, I don't know anything about this. I don't know who this person is. I had nothing to do with this. A person just refuses to take personal responsibility and admit that they were wrong. You guys may remember a few years back, there was a, a political figure on TV who was asked some very pointed questions about some things that were going on. And he looked right into that camera and said, I did not. And then he finished the sentence. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The thing is, watching that, you were like convinced. Like, okay. Like, I, look at him. I mean, I think he might be telling the truth. But then in front of a Supreme Court, he basically came out and said what happened On TV, it looked like he was telling the truth. When he finally admitted to it, it looked like he was lying. The problem with deceit is you don't know you're deceived. And, And it doesn't start that way, though. But over time, the more you just keep denying, it becomes a part of who you are to where you don't know when you're telling the truth or telling a lie. It's a major issue. You don't wind up there. All of a sudden, it's a process. You don't plan on getting there, but you get there. It's kind of like eating at Waffle House. Nobody plans to eat at Waffle House. You just wind up there, because that's all that was open, you know? No offense to anybody who actually plans to go to Waffle House, but you know, I'm for the most part, I'm right. Another way, slander. This is when you intentionally shade other person's actions and words in an unfavorable light in order To demean them. This is gossip, but it doesn't even have to be with words. You can be with body language. Look, you can slander somebody just by rolling your eyes. Hey, have you seen so-and-so? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, don't get me started. What? Oh, I can't say. We should just be praying for them. You just create this huge stumbling block for that other person. They're thinking, I knew there was something wrong with them. They, they, they got, they got something going on. They got, there's some sort of sin in their life. I just knew it. I could just tell by the way she looked at me. And then you go tell somebody else. I say she. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm like saying that women are the only ones that gossip, but a lot of times women are the ones that are gossiping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dudes don't usually do that, but but it's a problem for guys too. But slander. And then selective amnesia. It's forgetting the sequence of events that would incriminate you. I just forgot. Okay, we all forget. Sometimes it's legit. You just forgot. But it's going to cost you trust, whether you intended to or not. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in a man who is truthful. In the word, God says that there's seven things that he hates that he hates. Lying is listed twice in, that, in those seven things. John eight thirty one thirty two 32, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God wants us to walk in truth. That's his heart. He wants us to walk in freedom. That's his heart. The 10th commandment. Exodus twenty seventeen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, his boat, his truck, his house, his kids, his wife, their sports team, <laughs> or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The way I'd say this is be content with what you have. Be content. Every once in a while I can find myself starting to slip into this where I hear about some success that someone else experienced, and I start getting upset, like, just in my heart I'm like, man, that's, don't, why are they getting all that? Why do they get the promotion? Why do they get this? Why do they get that? I want that too. Why are I getting those things? God's heart behind contentment is not just so you don't want something that someone else has is so that you are grateful with what you have so that you can be successful at helping others. We we live in the most prosperous nation on the planet. The poorest person in this room is still wealthier than 99% of the people that live on planet Earth. We are blessed. God's heart behind this commandment is that we would stay in a place of gratefulness for what he's given us and that if we whether we have a lot or we have a little that we understand that God is sovereign and if we are obedient and if we are teachable and if we work hard and that's still the position that we're in then God is working through that position God is working through that situation but at the end of the day his heart is not just that we find who we are in him but that we help others find who they are in him so at a place of contentment what it does is it helps you get your fa- your face and your focus off of your own issues and helps you lift up your eyes to see the harvest to see the people around you that need Jesus that Need a hand, a foot of Jesus to come and do something in their life to help them out. We're celebrating 15 years as a church, and God has done so much. But there is a part of this story that He wants to write with you in it. And the way it's going to happen is for you to be in a place where you say, God, I'm so thankful. That you have blessed me, help me to lift up my eyes, to see the harvest, and to do something about it. Help us, God, as a church, to find people in the middle of their mess, and to get into that mess, and rescue them out of it. I think that's God's heart behind this commitment. That we would see others, and see them in their need, and do something about it. Amen. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I want to pray with you this morning. Every week we give an opportunity for people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I want to do that right now. If you're sitting here and you, you know you've never given Him control of your life, look, there's a, there's a big difference between calling on Jesus as a Savior. That, that always sounds great for everybody. But what you don't understand sometimes is it starts with you making Him your Lord. When He's your Lord, that means that you, you understand or you want to seek out, you understand what His Word says about your lifestyle, the decisions you make. When you make Him your Lord, that's when He becomes your Savior. But it starts with you surrendering to Him as your Lord. If you're here today and you've never done that before, I want you to know He loves you. He has grace and forgiveness for you. And He wants what's best for you. The only way to the Father is through the Son, Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you made that commitment at one point but you know you've drifted away from it and maybe Jesus is not on the throne of your heart right now and you need to put him back on that throne you need to rededicate your life to him if you're one of those two people every head bowed, no one looking around but with, as a sign of confessing that with some boldness and with some courage I'd love to pray with you this morning if that's you, put your hand up as soon as I see you, can put your hand down if that's you, you just need to get that relationship going got it, anybody else? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I need to get right with Jesus today. I want to give him complete control. I need him as my Lord and Savior. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Anybody else? I just need to get right with Jesus today. Thank you. Got it. Praise God. Okay. Anybody else? All right. We had... We had just a few people, four or five people, raise their hand just now. And and I'm going to assume that that means that everyone else in here, you're in a place where you're you're confident in your relationship with Jesus. There might be some of you that God was working and wrestling with you to get your hand up, but you just couldn't do it, and that's okay. God knows your heart, but I want to give everybody a chance. So let's just repeat this prayer together. For those that are saying it for the first time, for those that are saying it for the first time in a long time, Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, come on everybody together with some boldness. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. Help me to live for you. Lead me by your word, your spirit, and support me, God the body of Christ. Thank you for new life in you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over every person in this room as your sons and daughters, I pray that we would see your heart in your word through every one of these laws, through the commandments and all that, God, that it is, it's is—it's about intimacy. It's about relationship with us. God, I pray that if there's an area that maybe maybe we're struggling and maybe we had a difficult time responding to the conviction of your spirit and I pray for your grace on that in Jesus name that that we respond quickly Lord that when your conviction comes that we wouldn't hesitate but that we would run to your throne of grace we thank you Lord that your mercy is new every morning we thank you God that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus so any person that struggles with the guilt and the regret of their past. I thank you, God, that those things are not from you, that in Jesus' name, they can walk in freedom into the future that they have as they pursue you as their Lord and Savior. We thank you for it, for teaching us, for leading us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. Praise God. You thank him for his word. Amen. Hey, this morning, as we're taking our tithes and offerings, you're going to remain seated. Um, so we're going to watch a little bit of the story. Uh, I know Pastor Rick and Michelle very well. They're very close friends of mine. And this is going to be talking a lot about, through their eyes, about what has happened over the last 15 years. But, but I want you to know this. And, they, and, and Pastor Rick has already said, he said it last night, both the Saturday night services, that his, our number one goal as a church is to bring glory to God. It's to lift high the name of Jesus. But it's important to know where we're coming from. So whether you've been here since day one at Conway or or Little Rock, or you've been here for five weeks, you're part of this family now. You're part of this story. So let's look at where we've been, but let's also ask God about what it means for us going forward. Let's pray our tithes and offerings and watch this together. God, as we're being and bringing our tithe this morning, being led by your spirit with our offerings. We pray that you would use it. We thank you for the promises that you give us because of being obedient. But we also thank you that you use it for others. Bless it, Father God. Use it to build your kingdom. We're grateful, Lord. As we look at what you've done over the last 15 years, Lord, we're so humbled. We're blown away, Lord, that you've used us to do anything. We give you the glory for it, though, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's watch this together.
1: building. There it
2: is. Our kids, the, the lawns. Of course, we were eating jambalaya.
1: We could, didn't have enough chairs, had to bring in. See the chair? You can see that wooden chair in the bag. Yes. That, was, that came from the fire station. And Mama Obiza, she said she wasn't going to come, but she came. I'll never forget that first day, how afraid I was. But then when my grandmother prayed over me, I sensed the Spirit of God move into the place. The Lord was so close to me. I've shared this with you before. That if I would have thought about Him too much, I would have probably broken down and the whole service would have been a flop because I would have just been crying (laughs) at the altar instead of doing what it was that I needed to do. It was just a great day. In fact, since that day, I've sensed the hand of God on everything that we do. It's a great start. I've never really expected our church to even be this big. But I do remember the Lord saying, if you'll pastor these people well, I'll bring people to you. Keep your integrity. Stay on your face before me. Trust me. Let me build it.
2: Rick, I remember you saying every week you, we wondered if people were going to show up. Yeah. Every week. You know, yeah. it was, God was amazing and he did it, but next week are people going yeah. to show up? Are they going to be there?
1: That was one of the things that Pastor Roy said to me. He said, Rick, when you start the church, every week the devil's going to whisper in your ear that no one is coming back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took note of that but didn't know if I believed it. And he was wrong because it wasn't every week for the first year it was every day no it was every week for 15 years oh (laughs) that's the bass family house first family we ever met in arkansas i'll never forget being in that house we didn't love arkansas yet we liked it it's obviously a beautiful place to live Mm -hmm. obviously a great place to go on vacation a great place to raise a family, right. good people. But when we were there, I don't remember supernaturally loving Arkansas, but since then, it's just crazy. We're ate up with it. The only time I ever get depressed is when I'm having to fly out of the state to go do something. That's right.
2: I remember going to that house, driving up, thinking we were going to help them find somebody to come here. It wasn't going to be us. We are going to help them find somebody and thank God, 15 years later, there's no place I'd rather be than here in this state with these people.
1: So I guess it's fair to say we found somebody for them. Yes.
2: <laughs> I'm glad it was us.
1: I'm so glad. Thank God. When God gives you a love for a place, it lasts forever. I pray it lasts forever. This is our second campus. Through the years, now, of course, we have 10. We're looking at adding as many as four more campuses this year.
2: Oh, so Harry Bates. Harry Bates.
1: Oh, he, he was a kid. still serves. <laughs> yeah, he was a kid. And then we went to the skate night. Holy roller Rollers. Yeah, we call ourselves the Holy Rollers. My uh, mama. All these people are still around. Thanks, Grace. Oh, Grace. We are convinced that God calls people to places, like in the book of Acts it says that he called people to a certain place at a certain time, and when you're called by God you want to be there, just like Arkansas, it's a place we want to be, it's a place that we could never leave. Ooh, decade, that was five years ago. I don't know, maybe as many as 14,000 people in the Altair Arena. I did not want to do this event because it scared me, man. But the Lord showed up. Yes. Typically, if you're in an arena like that, you, you don't know the people that are there. But that day, no matter where we would look, we would see families that we knew in every part of the whole arena.
2: I can remember as we were debating whether to come here or not and looking at different places and one night um, before we went to sleep, I was just laying in bed, reminding God of all His promises, just quoting a lot of scriptures, telling Him that my sheep shall hear my voice and just all kinds of scriptures reminding Him, Lord, you're going to tell us, right? You're going to tell us. And that night I had a dream that I was weeping for the souls of Arkansas. And when I woke up that morning, I told you, Rick, I had the weirdest dream. And it was one of those dreams that was just super vivid. You know how you can have dreams. It's just, yeah. this was so vivid. It was like, I just knew I was going to wake up and my pillow was going to be wet. And, um, and telling you that that morning, and you were just like, you know... Well, let's pray. You know, let's just continue to pray about this. That could be. I didn't see it yet.
0: No, you either. still didn't quite see it. Neither, neither really.
1: <laughs> but that dream helped you, and it it helped me because I still refer back to that often. Mm-hmm. God gave us that dream. Lord, we turn our hearts over to you again. We know there are times when our priorities cause us to forget the magnitude of your name and the vision of your church. Forgive us not putting you first. I pray, O God, that we will never lose sight of who you are, the miracles you have done for us, and your great plan for humanity. May we hunger for your will, hunger for your word, hunger for souls, hunger for purpose, and hunger to become a church you are close to. We pray right now, O God, for single moms who feel the weight of their busy lives holding them down but yet they still hunger to please you, O God. We pray for police officers and firefighters who are in danger daily. Protect them. Please, God, protect them. We pray for students who have yet to find a friend to stand with them in faith at their school. We pray for those with addictions to be free in Jesus' name. We pray for people who are struggling in their marriage or who have lost a loved one We pray for the young lady who is full of fear and deals with depression, the young man who cannot find a job, the families who are praying and working daily to win their relatives to you, O Lord, the person who loves to serve and give. We pray for them. We pray for families who care for foster kids and even those who have adopted orphans. We pray for that person who has fallen away from you. Bring them back in Jesus' name. Lord, fill this house with people, who have fallen away and it We pray that your church All around the world Will be filled with people Hearing and obeying your word Longing for whatever you desire We desire to have a church That is immersed in your word Attentive to your spirit And willing to drop everything To meet a challenge that you've given us As a pastor Please God Give me more love for you More love for others more vision and hunger for the truth. Please, oh God, give me a desire to do whatever it is that you ask. Let us be people of thankful hearts. As your word says, being unthankful is a blueprint of unbelief. So please, God, let us now be thankful. Lord, let us be a church that advances the gospel and your name. We know these days are dark, but your light shines best in darkness we ask to be a part of spreading your kingdom on this earth we want to be a church that you can count on a faithful friend to you O god lord help us be a church that says here we are send us we say yes to you and yes to your great commission let us do this O god in a worthy manner let us care for one another let us serve and pray for one another let us love one another and not neglect the call you have given us Just like you, Father of God, in three persons, let us be together in unity in a team that refuses to miss what you have for us. We seal these words in the name of Jesus. May your kingdom come and your will be done now and forevermore. I see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is the Great Commission. That's the church I see. And God, we know that's the Arkansas that you see.
0: Hey Amen. Let's stand on our feet and give some glory to God this morning. Come on, fifteen years. Come on, praise God. And he's and he's not done. We got a lot more to do. I'd encourage you. We got metal going up. Uh, out on the property. Uh, So you're going to really start seeing that building take shape here in the next couple of weeks. If you get a chance, uh, don't go on the job site. That won't necessarily be a great thing right now, but go by the Dollar General and buy a Coke or some gum or a candy bar and sit in that parking lot a little bit and pray over that project, over that property. The men that are going to be out there working, uh, God give us opportunity to share God's love and truth with any of them that don't know him and that just his favor would cover the rest of the project. God would move in the hearts of people that um, would bless those that are already invested in it, would move in the hearts of people that he's calling the, to be involved with that. I'd appreciate you guys doing that. Last announcement, Connect Classes start up this afternoon, 2.30 at our house. Um, if you're new to the church or even if you've been around for a long time, and you want to find out what it means to be a part of this family and get connected here. The best place to start is at the Connect Class. Uh, You can get directions and information on that out at the Welcome Center. I love you guys. Have a great rest of your Sunday. God bless and go Broncos.